This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Special Edition podcast on Iron Man 3. Special Edition I Fanboy podcast on Iron Man 3. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And I Fanboy columnist Ryan Hobbs. 
Also, hello. Hello, everyone. This Hi. is the uh, first big summer release in America. This is the so first excited summer movie season. It's the first uh, on wave two of the post Avengers Marvel Studios films. This phase is kind of, two, phase two, two and uh, the third of the Iron Man films. So this is so it's exciting. Iron Man is of course the film that started this whole mon- you know crazy ride of Marvel Studios films. If that yeah. movie hadn't done well, we wouldn't be here talking about this movie. I I'd, I wouldn't be dead. I'd be here, but uh, we wouldn't probably be talking about a third Iron Man movie. That's for sure. Or an Avengers movie last year. Anyway, so much has changed since then. You know, like a lot has changed. I remember, I I remember hearing about Robert Downey Jr. like being cast as Iron Man and be like, yeah, that's it's like perfect. Like, remember when there was like an option that someone else could be? Yeah, I Iron remember. Man? I remember distinctly putting doing the story where I think we had to search around to find a picture of Robert Downey Jr. with with facial hair to, for the for the story on my fanboy. But uh, I was um I was living in Costa Rica when Iron Man One came out. And I just started getting emails from people being like, dude, when you get back to the States, you got to check out this Iron Man movie because this Tony Stark guy, he's something. Now we're going to talk about the film. There's spoilers. We're definitely going to talk about spoilers for this movie because we can't not discuss the film. So if you haven't seen the movie, do yourself a favor and do not listen to the show until after then because there's a couple of big reveals. There's some big ones. There's some whoppers. That'll that'll ruin the uh, experience for you if if you know about it ahead of time. So don't... uh, Hit this, pause the show and come back. But we're going to get into it. And I actually saw the movie in glorious 2D. Which Me was, too. Which was amazing. I. Yeah. Uh, I really, and I, I was lucky the theater I went to didn't stuff the, the 2D film into the back in the small screen. It was actually on one of the big prestige screens. So that was nice. It was a, My it was screen a, was pretty small. It was a game changer of mine. They had a, like a self butter station for the popcorn. That was totally new. <laughs> I've never seen that. Like they just give you the bag of popcorn and then you go over to this really gross counter that has. A butter dispenser or a butter-ish, you know, I don't know. All right, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that I don't think Americans can be trusted with that responsibility. No, they can't. As I should have taken a butter. picture. As, yeah, I, he actually just slid home. I, I did. I did. He can't. He can't type because his, his fingers are too too greasy. So what? let's talk about the film. Last time we saw Tony Stark, he was saving the world in the Avengers by going up into the space portal wormhole. The wormhole. Uh-huh. I like space portal. What's wrong with space portal? I'm just saying wormhole is the terminology that they use. Well, if we're going to be using exact science, because Ryan's here, that's fine. Uh, Einstein Rosenbridge? How about that? Wormhole, by sending the nuclear missile that the United States government shot at at Manhattan, sending it into space, blowing up the Shatari, saving the world, dying briefly in the process. And so now, uh, sometime later, we find Tony Stark racked with uh, PTSD. Space guilt. Which is, uh, is that the science term for that? Yeah, space, space guilt. guilt. <laughs> um, and which is a bad time to happen because he's under, the America is under siege from the Mandarin. And uh, that's basically where the movie starts. And there's a couple of, I, I want to talk about first stuff we liked. because I, I, I'm assuming there's more than we liked we didn't. There's a couple of things I, I didn't love so much okay. uh, that we can get to in a, in a bit. But let's. Let's talk about um, overall our overall impressions. I I quite enjoyed it. I didn't uh, love it, love it as and the, I think the first one is still the benchmark for Iron Man films because it yes. has all the perfect sort of uh, elements of what makes the character and the universe so much fun. Uh, the second one and the less said the better. Uh, but I really did quite enjoy this movie. I thought there was a lot of great things about it. And new writer director Shane Black taking over for John Favreau, who now gets a lot more screen time as a result. Yeah. Um, I thought it brought a great element of fun to the film thoughts ryan uh i agree i also enjoyed it um you know we, we all just saw it last night so i feel like i'm still processing it and i feel like this uh these discussions are usually pretty therapeutic in figuring out and codifying what it was that i really did like versus what i didn't like um there were definitely parts that 
fell a little flat, but by and large, you know, um, everyone in the movie seemed to turn in a pretty great performance. And, uh, you know, it's got the spectacle that you expect from this kind of movie. And, um, yeah, I, I overall enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad I, I had the opportunity to to sleep on this one before I got to write the review for iFanboy.com, which I, I mm-hmm. wrote up this morning. But it's still it was still like kind of a, a really complicated reaction to this movie. But overall, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I sort of had a Jarvis style heads up display over my eyes as I watched the movie and it was plinking back and forth between three and three point five stars. Um, even though I really don't like star ratings, but I had to think about it. And that was, that was waiting on my mind, you know, the whole time. And, but I, I think it was, I think it was very entertaining. I think it was, it was, it was much stronger than Iron Man 2. And I think in spite of a lot of baggage that it had, you know, thrust upon it, especially with, you know, this being the first solo outing after the Avengers and that being such a massive success and it having so much, it having so many ramifications on the characters, or like you, you can't avoid what happened in the Avengers in doing an Iron Man. Which was three. one of my favorite things about this movie was that it was dealing with the psychological fallout of a big battle like that, and the fact that Tony has PTSD. He he doesn't want to admit it. People keep asking, but he doesn't. He does have it, and and he's because he's just a man. You know, he's not Thor. He's not the Hulk. He's not. He's not even. He doesn't even have super soldier serum in him. He's just a man in a suit. And I think the whole point of this movie really is is him becoming okay with that, that he is Iron Man with or without the suit. And basically, they you know they lay it out. They lay it out in the final line is that, and one of the complaints about the movie is that Tony's not in the armor a lot, and he's not because the whole point of the movie is Tony figuring out how to be Tony and how to be Iron Man without the without the crutch of having the suit on him. Yeah, that's sort of a forehead slapper for me is seeing a lot of people saying, you know, there's no, there's not enough Iron Man in this. Like, it's all Iron Man. He's He is Iron Man. That's the thesis of the movie. And it's one of the strongest parts of the movie, I think. Um, yeah. That central thing. Of, I just love the fact that, you know, you've, you've got a guy, a regular guy. He's thrown into a battle with aliens and he's, for a brief moment, it goes through a wormhole uh, to another dimension, dies. And, and this, this has a ramification on you psychologically. And well, it's also like, we we've seen him in the suit. We know, we know what the suit does. We're familiar with the suit and we, right. we haven't seen as much of him as Tony, the tinkerer, Tony, the, the guy who can figure stuff out and handle situations without the suit. And that's, that's relevant. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the subheading for, for my review on the site is the deconstruction of Tony Stark. This is about Tony, the mechanic. Yep. Um, and I think the strongest part of the movie is when we when he actually gets shunted off to Tennessee and lands in the snow, and um, shunted I, off to a land of low tax rates on film, <laughs> film filmmaking. Yeah, and it's also they filmed those in North Carolina. They didn't film yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah, but, they, but that's that's why he went over to the southern region. Oh, okay. So it's all the same to us. That's that's basically what me and Connor are saying. It's all this. It's all the same area. No, I'm kidding. You guys are. Um, we're awful. Um, no, but carpetbaggers. Uh, it's also, but no, but that's my favorite part of the movie, and I'm really glad yes. it happened. And it's Him also and yes, and it's the part of the movie that feels the most like a Shane Black movie. And I'm a big fan of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and of course Robert Downey Jr. comes out of that movie. So oh man, when the movie opened with a voiceover, yeah, I was like, wow, he's going for it. Yeah, and I yeah. and I don't want to say that's the only part that feels like Shane Black. I mean, the whole thing is imbued with Shane Blackness, but um, loves it's, Christmas. But I think it's when he gets to be him and do the Christmas stuff, and 
all those shots of Christmas trees that he wedges in there. I mean, I love that there's a Christmas tree on, you know, the ship at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, he just has to keep, have this constant reminder to you that it's Christmas time. And even though there's a flashback, that's also during the holidays. That's it's New Year's. So they, they, we start with the Y2K thing. And I'm really glad that I watched Iron Man 1 before I went out to see this because I was, I, was remi- yeah, I was reminded um, when in that, the cave scene and, uh, and he talks about them meeting um, in, Bern. in Bern, Switzerland. And so when I saw the caption come, I was like, oh, that's, he's going to be in there. And sure enough, I he shows that. up. I love that. That was a great callback. Yeah, it was fantastic. And that was such a fateful night. Because a lot of it well, – yeah, and a lot of the movie also is about – how Tony's Tony's transgressions in the past come back to haunt him in the present. I mean, the, the that whole party sets up basically his life in in many ways. You know, he, his one night stand with the with the girl, his blowing off of of Guy Pierce and in, in meeting Yusuf. All that stuff ties into you know his future, and you know it's it's basically it's an indictment of his past life of the reckless drunk Tony who who, who bad decisions come back to haunt him later in, in life. Mm-hmm. But that Tony is also really enjoyable to watch. Oh, he's think- great. I think the second movie was lacking that because part of the great thing about the first Iron Man movie is that you get this taste of like, wow, this guy is an egomaniac, but he is entertaining as hell. And then they they deconstruct him and put him back together as a hero. And so it's nice to get a little refresher of that. So you were reminded, oh, this guy really has come a long way already. Now let's see how much farther we have to take him. Another thing that I like a lot, and this is again in contrast to two, and I I hate coming back to two constantly, but it was (laughs) such a disaster, is that... Two was so overstuffed with plots and elements and characters and things going on. It never, it was never very cohesive. It didn't feel very satisfying. Whereas this was very much a stripped down movie, and that it was very focused on this one thing that was happening. There was, there was a good amount of characters, but it was all in service of this one sort of streamlined story that was going on. Very much like the first film. I don't think um, I don't think the weight is entirely perfect. I think it's still a little bit schizophrenic, and that, and a lot of that is also going back to Iron Man One, which is. I I've really grown like I've I've always loved that movie and my affection for it hasn't waned over the years but I actually I've grown uh, more impressed with it because of how lean it is mm-hmm. and one of the things you can do with that movie is like it's maybe the best movie to I mean it's a great origin story but then it, it's also the best focus on his armor even though there's like better and um, more complicated, more complex suits of armor in all these other films, um, including the Avengers. Um, that one is like the best showcase because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the, the cave set of armor, the Mark one, and then the Mark two building that. And it's almost like pornographic in how it like um, lavishes attention on the armor where here it's like, you're just getting thrown, like, especially in the last act, like suits after suits, after suits of, of armor that do different things. And, it's all kind of overwhelming. Yeah, they've never really... I feel like none of the movies uh, since the first one have hit that moment where he goes to the Middle East and takes out all the terrorists and the tank and all that stuff. Like, that was just great because you see all the functionality of the armor and you see Tony getting used to being that powerful and then he's got his fight with the F-22s. And right. The, the, those moments where, you know, you can see that the suit has limits, but at the same time, it's a really, really powerful thing. Yeah, and we're learning about what he's capable of doing. And, you know, going back, that, that cave scene really is so great. And it's, I, I mean, watching that movie uh, yesterday before seeing Iron Man 3, um, I, I got misty again, you know, seeing that sacrifice, you know, seeing... You know, I, I visited that set out in the desert of California. Really? Yeah, I was out looking for fossils, and um, no joke, I was out there with a bunch of paleontologists, and we came upon them uh, building a cave entrance outside of an abandoned mine shaft, 
and and I was like, oh, what are they building? I thought it was Indiana Jones four because that was getting ready to come out at the same time. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But then then my buddy just rolled down the window and was like, hey, what are you guys building? They're like, oh, Iron Man. I was like, really? They're just gonna tell us? That's okay. <laughs> it's such so. a it's such a great set piece. And it, it going back to to Iron Man three, it's all about Tony building. Tony being yeah. a mechanic, and these are well, these are sort of that. he's lost his way. That's yeah, and these are sort of our in the comics. These are some of our favorite Tony Stark stories. What was that? The the um the Avengers story? Aven- was it Avengers Prime? What was it called? Mm-hmm. Where they, yeah, they yeah, each go to yeah. different dimensions, and yeah. Tony has to you know he has to be MacGyver sort of. You know Which is what he has to do here basically. He was very MacGyver the scenes in Tennessee, especially when he had on the vest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, just, I I love that fish out of water aspect of Tony get Tony gets rocketed to to Tennessee. He's his suit's dead. He's got to drag it to this little this little uh, garage and fix work on it. And, and in the meantime, he's got to survive with nothing. And he's got you know he's being under siege from from these uh, extremists and infected people. And I thought that was a great sequence. I, I I thought that was full of great great sequences. I like the fact that Pepper Potts gets some moments in here where she gets to actually be a badass character and not just a girlfriend character, which often happens in these, to these, in these movies. And yeah, you know, there's the actually, beginning. there's actually sharp highs and lows with that. Cause she's also a damsel in distress for a lot of the time too, but it's sort of, they make up for that by giving her some really heroic moments. She's more of a sidekick. You know, that's basically the Robin role is that, you know, you, you get yeah. badass, but also you get to be captured in Batman. Right. In that in the beginning, she gets to wear the suit and save Tony when the Mandarin attacks his mansion and blows it up. And, and then at the end, she's when she's ex- infected with extremists herself, and she gets to basically take the bad guy out. Yeah, I mean, she it's the Deus Ex Pepper. Yeah, but she she shows up and wins, sort of wins the day more than he does, and which I thought was a great twist on things because he gets sort of relegated to the sidelines while she beats him up, and and uh, I thought that was a great moment for. They, they, I like that they also showed how capable and competent Rhodey is relative yeah. to Stark because there are different moments where you're like, oh yeah, Stark is not faring as well as Rhodey in this in this moment. But they did also spend some time, um, even very little things, showing that Tony does train for this role as Iron Man, so like physically train. Yeah. Where they show him with like the little things where you hit the sticks, yes. and then they also show him like doing pull ups and stuff. So yes. when later in the movie it comes down to action-y brawl stuff, and he doesn't necessarily have the full complement of armor or whatever, it's not so crazy that he's still able to fight and perform at a high level. But he's uh, also not, like, Captain America. He... Right, right. And I like, But I, I like that they gave us enough to show, like, okay, he's got some physical capabilities that are, you know, outside the suit, so it's not completely unrealistic. But, yeah, it was good. I do not want to arm wrestle Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah, um, his biceps are huge! And, like... Do you see how he like coming out of armor or whatever, coming out of, you know, a zip line, he does those those duck and rolls and then comes out with the, you know, the pistol at the ready. Like mm-hmm. he's like snaps right into action. Um, so who wears a polo under an Iron Man suit? That's that was ridiculous. It was a little I, it was a little silly, but it, it was. I like the, the the physicality of the armor, which uh, is mostly new in this one, I think, in that. Well, no, they introduced it in Avengers where the armor sort of comes around the body and they could sort of jump in and out of it at will um, so they could they could leave the armor, beat somebody up, jump back in the armor. I, I thought that physicality, the way they played it, almost like a dance um, mm-hmm. between Rhodey and Iron Man really worked out. And the, way, the way in the final battle that Iron, Tony sort of jumps from suit to suit to suit to suit, depending on what he needs. And um, there's also that scene, that scene where Tony just has the glove and the boot, and that's yeah. all he's got. And that yeah. was a really cool yeah. scene. Um, I want to talk a little bit, because, uh, Ryan, you wanted to talk about sort of the expectations going into the movie and some of the things we knew and, and things we didn't know going in and how that affected our enjoyment of the movie. And with the, with one of those trailers, they, they give away that moment where you see all those armors coming up 
Yeah. And I was I was really annoyed when I saw the trailer. I was like, man, that would have been a great surprise. Yeah. But then also I was kind of worried because it was like, oh, man, are, are they really going to like overdo it with the armors? And just the opposite. They have a lot of great sort of like it's a total orgy of armors in the final act. But as we were talking about that Tennessee stuff, he's without the armor for a lot of the time. So um, I think there's a I think there's a healthy combination of both. So for the people complaining about there not being enough Iron Man, I think you're missing the point because Tony is Iron Man, but also I don't know what you're talking about because there's a lot of armor in this movie too. <laughs> so there's a good, co- I think there's something for He's just not wearing taste. it. He's, he's created yeah, the, and the armor to be not sentient, but uh, act on its own. Remote control, right? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Jarvis activated. Jarvis, so. yeah. All right. Um, but then, I'll, but uh, Brian, Jarvis you wanted... is really the hero of the story. Yeah, and he really does most of the this. work. Yeah, um, he's funny. I, I enjoyed the interactions with Jarvis as well. So, Ryan, what were your expectations? Because I was, I've been very diligent about not reading it stuff. I just, at, you know, at that point, I don't know anything about Star Trek. I don't know anything about Superman. I don't know. I don't. I didn't know much beyond the trailers for Iron Man. I didn't really read anything. I didn't really know anything. I kept. Uh, the, I didn't know the, much beyond the trailers either. But I still felt like. I felt like some of the bigger moments of the movie were in the trailer, and that was a little disappointing. You know, with all the armor, the fleet of armor flying in, and like, I guess by the time I saw like the oil rig set piece, I kind of was just like, oh, okay, so this is where the climax is going to happen because right. we're getting towards the end of the movie. I haven't seen the fleet of armor yet, so it's kind of like some of the the what should have been big G Wiz moments I felt like were tempered by the fact that I kind of saw them coming, um, which is okay in a sense, but I just. I agree with Paul that there, there there were still some surprises in this movie, but I was kind of expect. I, I guess I just I didn't expect them to give so much of the the final sequences away in the trailers. Right, and then there were some there were some surprises and some really great twists in the movie that I kind of felt were telegraphed by the movie. Yeah. Um and I and I'm not saying that as a yeah yeah I'm smarter than you. I, I predicted this. I figured this out. I think they're actually is a little bit too much evidence. And the, the, the big reveal here is that the Mandarin is a joke. The Mandarin is set up, set up as a scary Bin Laden-esque character who uh, marshals uh, forces in the Middle East and sends out scary videos to the United States by taking over the entire, all the airwaves and threatening and blowing up bombs, and which are extremist people. Which we'll, get, we'll get to the extremist part in a bit. Uh, but the big reveal is that he's actually an actor. Uh, who's a hack a actor uh, who's being paid with like drugs and, and sailboats and things and, and girls and and the real the real Mandarin is uh, is uh, Guy Pierce's character's name I keep forgetting but because I didn't re- ever read Killian. that extremist extremist storyline so I don't Eldritch know these characters Killian. but uh, um, he's really the real Mandarin he's the one covered in snake tattoos and which I love that they finally like at the end of the movie he goes I'm the Mandarin I'm like yeah we kind of got that a while ago yeah that 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 really... line kind of yeah that I thought that was kind you of you want to know too. who the real Mandarin is like no we we figured that out already like, yeah we, so. we've worked that out we're we're past that point see um, I didn't I didn't get that at all until the reveal so when the reveal happened I thought it was awesome. really. Yeah, and oh, I, I mostly in the audience, I was at all gasped and then laughed. When you're you're t- you're you're talking about not not Guy Pierce saying I am the no, mayor. No, you're not, talking not, about no. Ben Kingsley and ben the, coming out of the bathroom. Tony storms the house and he comes out of the bathroom stumbling, and I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. What um, what happened with me is that um, when they reveal that Guy Pierce was in cahoots with the Mandarin, and that the Mandarin was going to come in and film this stuff. The way it was shot, the way that Guy Pierce reacted to him and talked about him, I thought that that scene actually was revealing that reveal that Ben Kingsley was an actor, and this was all Guy Pierce's doing. But they didn't 
but they, I mean, they showed, I think they showed their hand there, but. Well, was it just because they were filming it? Because I don't see what they, what they tipped in that scene. I it, it was, I think it was just it was kind of Guy Pierce kind of talked about him like an actor like a temperamental actor coming onto a set yeah and then there's it, that sequence with the manor and walking in and getting ready to do the scene and I, I see where Paul's coming from um it, you know it might not have been completely bald faced but it was definitely it was showing I felt like it, it was showing that Guy Pierce was the guy pulling the strings behind the manor and it didn't necessarily reveal how silly Ben Kingsley was going to be with it. Right, but it, right, yeah, it definitely exactly. undermined the, t- the the scariness of the Mandarin as a threat versus just a, a feint. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting Ben Kingsley's character of Trevor Slatter, I believe his name is. That He was fantastic in this movie. I mean, he was really menacing as uh, the Mandarin, although he did kind of a silly Walter Cronkite voice, but I thought that once the reveal happens, it makes sense. Um, but then as the sort of drunk, high hack actor he was great i thought he was he's he's not in the movie very much but i thought he was every time he is he's wonderful i thought he was very good and i was i was i was a little bit nervous that when when tony mentions oh wait a minute what was that you said about a sailboat or or a speedboat or something i was worried that they were going to take him with them (laughs) and i was like no this is gonna that that's gonna be way too much but luckily he wasn't in that scene so and we we see him later and i kind of liked his sort of coda scene where he's getting the perp walk and he sees all the adulation uh what he wants what he wants i I thought he was great i loved everything about the man it was very good and um there's some people talking about like it being like a disservice to the character i think uh, i mean yes the mandarin is sort of the most storied villain for iron man but I think it's a character that sort of he's of his time. Matt yeah. Fraction did something interesting with the sort of like the uh, Kim Jong Il Kim Jong Il thing. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting idea. But I mean, other than that, he's kind of really over the top. And in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, I don't think that character would totally work. And yeah, my girlfriend kept bugging me because she was like, "Why is he called the Mandarin if he's Middle Eastern?" I'm like, "Shh, yeah. right." And then they speaking, don't want to piss off China. That's why. Yeah, and then speaking with that particular accent which i liked that that tony alludes to the fact that he sounds like a like a baptist preacher yeah. at some point and so like there's all these things going on in this character it was like this guy doesn't make sense and um so that's also part of like the the thing unraveling for me and that i was able to to predict it um but i i, I do even though i think they show their no hand a little early the... i think that it's a good I, I really like the idea i think it's a brilliant choice it was no different than the swerve in batman begins i mean it was exactly the same or yeah. even in the first yeah. Iron Man, when you find out mm-hmm. Obadiah Stane's been controlling the terrorists. Well, like, but this is this is more Batman Begins in that there was exactly somebody pretending to be somebody else. Yeah, so. no, I got, yeah, I, I agree with you in that. Um, but the but the one thing that kind of bugged me about the Mandarin was that you know they had him with all of his the rings on his fingers, but and they and they had alluded to the idea of this the Ten Rings terrorist organization in the first Iron Man, right? And that never really was touched on here. Like it was never made clear is the Ten Rings his organization no, and has no. it right. But that, but that to me kind of makes the Ten Rings in the first one fall flat because it well, feels it's, like it's it's a, it, it's, it's consequence of the of reality is yeah. that they thought they were only going to get one Iron Man movie, so they alluded to the Mandarin in that movie because he's Iron Man's villain. And then when it took off, they had to go a different direction. So that's just real, yeah, the real world. You know, it's it's a flaw, but it's it's not a deal breaker for for me. Um, but the other thing I like about this is so so then you've got you've got the goofy villain in in the Mandarin or the non-villain and you've got Guy Pierce being really menacing and it's a better balance of doing two villains than what they did with Iron Man 2 where um Hammer is like 
the big villain, but he never feels like a threat. He's a goofball because he's so goofy. Like he 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 doesn't feel like a viable opponent for Tony. And and at that point, and 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 Don Cheadle is War Machine too. So it just never felt like enough of um, a conflict in in Iron Man two. And plus, and then you've got goofy looking Mickey Rourke. Um, so with this, I think I, I I really like the idea that there's there's sort of like Guy Pierce has kind of like this Palpatine Phantom Menace kind of thing where he emerges as the real villain and um, the viable threat. And um, he's kind of dry as a bad guy for a lot of the movie. But then by the end of it, he's he's a pretty entertaining wahahaha kind of scary My, villain. And that I liked him a lot. The only the only part of the film that really <clears throat> was tough for me, which. Um, I was thinking the way home was after seeing it was that this could be a consequence of never having read the storyline, but I just didn't get a good handle on what exactly Extremis was, what it did. It seemed to do whatever you they needed have, it to do. You shouldn't have to know it from the comics, though. Right. I mean, and, but they I, didn't I'm, do a good enough job. No, they didn't do a good enough job. It, it seemed it regenerated your wounds. It also caused you to turn into some sort of furnace that could heat things up. It also made you breathe fire. and some, like It just seemed like I never knew what it was. That's like high-level Scientology, though, for the fire-breathing stuff. Like, you have to get up, like, you've got to advance pretty far right. to do the fire-breathing. I mean, it didn't really hurt my no. enjoyment of the film. It just, I never really got a sense of what they were facing because it, it, I didn't really have a sense of extremists very well. They seemed to start to explain it, and they never really did. And then, so that was my only thing. I love the fact that it was AIM. I love that fact. That was yeah, hoping, that was great. I was hoping yeah. maybe somebody was going to be in a yellow jumpsuit, but they weren't, mm, so that was fine. Yeah. But that was fine. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know, it just that was the only the only downside for me. I really did quite enjoy this movie, probably a little bit more than Paul than you did. Um, was that the 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 extremist thing was unclear to me. But other than that, I thought. Uh, did either of you guys find it ironic that they put the original director in a coma for most of the movie? <laughs> I thought he had, I thought he had a great role in this, and then he was I, great. I, I liked that he was in the Downton Abbey. I like this. I like he didn't know how to use like an like a tablet and Stark, I, Stark tablet. Stark I like his. Right. Uh, 90s haircut and goatee in the beginning flashback um his like self like his self-importance like like you know the, with, the, with the badge and everything but then i also like the that one there's thing, some well, dignity the, with him that he's able to in the in the horrible accident in the explosion he's able to point out the thing yeah. that helps tony figure out this puzzle right um, and that was one part of the movie that i thought didn't quite work for okay. me because um that you know we we all had seen the clip of tony talking to the mandarin through the news team where he says like this isn't about politics it's just good old-fashioned revenge yes and i i was kind of perplexed by that because i'm like yeah i understand that your buddy was hurt in this explosion but the mandarin wasn't actually like going after happy you know it wasn't doesn't matter eh, i don't know paul gets blown up by a terrorist attack i'm still gonna be pissed at the terrorists even though they didn't target paul specifically i mean is target is paul not important enough to target Usually not by a terrorist organization. I don't know what Paul does in his spare time. He could be very important to the government. But what I'm saying is, All right, it's really loaded. If someone, um, if someone is killed in a ex- terrorist explosion, you're still gonna be mad at the terrorists, even though they didn't specifically target them. Yeah, I guess. You know, especially just, it, to me, it ju- yeah, to me, it just came out. Of, it came out of left field a little bit. Like it just seemed kind of random. Like otherwise, you don't think Tony, Tony revenge for his friends. No, but I mean the fact that it was it. <sighs> The fact that Tony was only mildly interested in the Mandarin up until I don't know. If that I think part, it's. I think that's a little flat for me. I think that's universe. escalation. I think that's a bunch of things um, mounting up, and him just picking the Mandarin as his opponent um, because he can put a face to like all these all these feelings that he has to deal with from uh, Manhattan and falling out of the sky and what he couldn't sop up with shawarma. Um, all this stuff he has to point his. 
his attention somewhere. And that for a while, that was building a gazillion Iron Man yeah. armors. And yeah. now it's, I got to take out this this guy who is threatening my country and messing up my friends, intentionally or not. Well, so that was another that was another thing that kind of was weird though, because like so yeah, he's been building all these suits um, over and over and over again and not sleeping, and then he's in Tennessee and he's trying to repair the one suit that he has, and his house has been destroyed, so he can't access his other suits. Right. And then um, the kid says, "Well, why don't you just build something?" And that's like his light bulb moment where he realizes that that's what he needs to do to feel okay again and not have like these anxiety attacks. But he'd been building stuff the entire time, so I couldn't quite. I think it's because out. of the way he was building. It was kind of like a throwback to being in the cave again. And then he had to find spare parts and he had the... He had so this, it was, it, he just needed a, the more hands-on, the I less... Think part, I think it's part of the stripped-down aspect of the characters. He needed to get back to basics. Yeah, I think it's. I think it, a lot of it is that, as you said, like Jarvis is, is sometimes the real hero of this, that like Jarvis does... Watching Iron Man 1, Jarvis does a lot of the like fabrication... Yeah. Or the Mark II suit or whatever. And like it's not a lot of it's Tony making executive decisions, but not getting his hands dirty. And I can see that. then he has to go into this this sort of home alone Kevin McAllister thing where he builds like it's shock gloves and, and awesome. exploding Christmas tree ornaments and that was fantastic. Um That was a great scene. It's really scene. good. And it's like he, that's that's Iron Man. That it doesn't he doesn't need like the crazy armor. And um so what, how do you guys feel about this wrapping up and it just it feels really like the end to a trilogy i mean like the well, it's, end it's credits is... i was thinking about this too we'll talk about the end credits in a second right. but the the um the iron man movies more than the others although you can you can probably say hulk but hulk doesn't really get considered much um <clears throat> are actually complete works more than more than the more than thor or captain america because thor thor was a complete work but also felt like it was going to something and captain america really felt like it was just getting to avengers whereas the Iron Man movies specifically feel like they're just movies more than the others, possibly because they started it all. The first movie is complete. Yeah, except for Iron Man 2, which right, is which, a bridge to Avengers. Again, we don't even worry about that, that movie. But, you know, it, this movie feels like a complete work. And it's also because of real-world considerations, and you mentioned this in your review, I think, Paul, is yeah. that they constantly have to write the movie as if they're never going to have Robert Downey Jr. again. So, you know, they have to kind of wrap up the story each time just in case. Yeah, and so, like, the the screenwriters have to think about that and then – I, as an audience member, have to think about that too. Like, I feel like it's it's being thrust upon me that, like, is this going to be the last time? And it's just like, I, it's. I think it's for the I think it's for the benefit though, because you get a you don't get the feeling that you got at the end of Captain America, and that it was just part one of the Avengers. Right. You know, you, you get a movie that's that that has three acts and ends, and you know, if you don't ever get if you never get Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark again, you got right. But there's there's an extent to which it doesn't feel like this was the plan all along. Um, what do you mean? Like it's not, it's it's hard because there's there aren't good examples of like a plans like a you know a conclusion that was meant to be. But um, well, like not, not so the, the the plan all along was to make an Iron Man movie yeah, and hope it makes right. money. They, yeah, they uh, well, out three, right. story, three three stories you know for the okay. Well, on, we're so like, used to in comics, we're so used to in comics the story never ending, and it's easy to keep Tony from aging because you just draw him whatever age he needs to be, and you can always get a new artist. Right. So I think. I feel like maybe the us as viewers might still be grappling a little bit with this idea of like these movie stories are going to need endings because these actors aren't going to do this forever and I think there's just there's still some growing pains in that process. I just I mean I think 
a lot, you know, when people are talking about the the Mandarin thing and feeling maybe betrayed there, I don't want to say it, that's that's strong. That's, that's a very strong word, but I I had a similar feeling with the surgery removing mm-hmm. the the arc reactor um, because he hadn't felt the need to do that before when he had the resources to do it. It's not like something suddenly happened. It was yeah, that it was, was the, that it was, was a weird. personal choice, and and it and again after seeing Iron Man one so recently. And seeing Pepper bring down the old, you know, arc reactor, and saying, I had that Pro- thought too. Proof that Tony has a heart. That's all. And I'm thinking, oh, that's down in you know the Pacific Ocean now. Um, it's been destroyed, and then he's getting rid of this and flinging that into the ocean. And but I guess it, it also it could go along with the idea that before he saw himself as Iron Man, the guy, the suit. So he 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 had that part in him, to right? Be, to, and now he sees himself. No, I'm actually Tony Stark, Iron Man. I don't need the suit to be Iron Man, so he doesn't need the part in him. I I'm just trying to find a reasoning for it. I that was another thing where I was like, why is he doing that now? Yeah, it's. I mean, like you can, I can find, you know, I can find a rationale for it, and certainly it makes sense. Like, yeah, do it. I mean, get the thing out of your chest. It's got to be annoying and uncomfortable. I mean, it didn't seem to be working very well anymore because he's constantly not having enough power in his suit and he's walking around with a car battery which i thought was hilarious that like you got tony in the suit with a car battery plugged into it but i was also kind of like isn't his arc reactor supposed to be doing a lot of that work isn't it like really powerful but yeah so it's uh, you know and then like going away with the trailer with the robot arm I i love the dummy robot um it's a great character and I was horrified when I saw it, like, you know, falling out and, like, <laughs> you know, in the water and stuff. And, like, like, oh, no, I love that character, even though it's not sentient at all. It's, it's not even Jarvis. It's just – it's a machine. And But um, – It's like his first little robot that he It built. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it feels like. And, and so there's – again, betrayed, offended, these are too strong – they're too strong of words. But there's a – there's a weird feeling. It felt icky. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Icky um, in what sense? Hmm. Icky in what icky. sense? Icky yeah. and I don't know. Um, that, that that could also just be fan entitlement. Like I I want my Iron Man. I want right. I want him to be Iron Man forever. Um. So there, so there's 50. so there's a selfish thing. But you know, and I think Kevin Feig said something online today. I saw a headline that uh, Tony Stark or Iron Man is a big, I forget what she said. That's probably important to remember which one um, is a big part of Avengers two. Um, uh, th- there's no way to not. I mean, they're going to, they're going to give him a giant sack of money to be in Avengers two. That's yeah, and I not, don't, it's going to happen. He made $50 million in the first movie. But. I don't, I don't need, so that's the thing. I don't need him flying around in armor because they're, yeah. they're adding all these other elements and we're going to have the guardians of the galaxy. However, that turns out we're going to have Ant-Man. We, well, we not in Nine Avengers Two. Wasn't even going to be in Avengers. Remember, they had the whole setup where he was yep. consultant and War Machine consultant. was going to be Avengers. I mean, they just—you can't. I think you can't worry about that too much. Just enjoy what's in front of you on the screen because he could get a car wreck next week and and you know die. You know, all kinds of things could what happen. What is with you on this party? Is you want you want well, Robert Downey Jr. to get in a car accident? You want me to get killed in a terrorist attack? I what want is me get killed now in a terrorist attack? Um, I'm just saying there's real world considerations in these movies you have to take into account or not. Yeah. And just I'm not hot, trying to not to let that enhance your or diminish your enjoyment as much as you can. It's it's not, you know, no one's perfect. No, but. yeah, and, and everything you're saying makes sense. I'm just saying that was sort of the that was the feeling. I now had. the other let's talk about the other thing that I didn't um love so much, which is I think speaks to the overall phase two, is the the post credit sequence. 
Okay. You didn't like the post-credit sequence? Well, let me explain. I liked it as a scene. The post-credit, if you, the post-credit sequence is you find out that the voiceover has been Tony uh, telling his story to Bruce Banner the whole time, who's been asleep. And I thought it was a misstep because the, 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 the post-credit sequences have served to push the story along. Even if the movie hasn't, uh, you know, they've, they've been used to bring us towards Avengers. Right. Whereas this time, we basically just got a joke sequence like the end of the Avengers movie. So there was no sense of momentum. You know, the one thing about these movies has always been, great movie, now let's get to the next one. Because there's this thing happening in the background. There's uh, shields gathering the heroes, or Lo- uh, Loki, has, uh, they found the cosmic cube. There's always been something pushing the story forward to the Avengers movie. <clears throat> right. And so here there was no element of that. There was no- I think the thing there was a choice, and this is in reading interviews and stuff with the, you know, the producers and stuff and Kevin Feig, like saying, I think they're really concerned about the big question was, can you do a solo story with these superheroes um, after the Avengers? Like, cause it's like such a hard act to follow. And with this, it's, I think they were really making an effort to touch on the Avengers, but then move in a, like in a different change the trajectory and it's not just about going to the next Avengers movie. Um, and Iron Man 3 is a weird case because it might be the end of the Iron Man. But, but the thing is, I think... I think but with the other characters, I think they want, to move, they, they want to move out from that. And, and yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I think I understand the intention is that they don't want this to be constantly, let's get back to, the, to Avengers 2, you know, that meetup, because that's all that matters. This I, stuff I understand is just, that completely. And I also understand the, the idea that that they just wrote the first draft, so they might not even know what they're leading towards. But right, right. But it's just that I think that was that's been a big draw for lots of people, not just me, but people in general, that these things are leading together somewhere. I don't know. Even, what... even if you're trying to tell your own story, it's still in the background. There's this thing happening. Well, maybe they're leading to Science Bros. Adventures. You don't know. It could maybe be, the, which would be awesome. Avengers Three I... is Avengers Three: The Science Bros. Dynamics, just... but I because that's that's what's great about the post-credit sequences. It doesn't really infringe upon the movie. It's just, oh, yeah, also there's this thing happening in the background of this movie that you should, you should be aware of because it's pointing you towards all these other things. Right. I'm just, yeah. you know what, I'm just glad, I'm, selfishly, I'm just glad that we get, you know, the Bruce Banner scene because after seeing the Avengers and seeing them drive off together and seeing that amazing chemistry, I was like, it's really too bad that they're probably so far along on Iron Man 3 that they don't realize what they have here and they're probably not going to include anything. I just, I, I just really wanted, you know, Tony to pick up a phone and have a problem. Like, you know, in the, in the scene where he's going over the wreckage just to call Bruce on the phone yeah, and be like, I, I, I need some help on this one. And even if they're like, even if they shot Mark Ruffalo's scene, like, you know, in an airport or whatever, like they did with this, like his presence needs to be there. Um, Cause he's such a great addition to the cinematic universe. Yeah. No, I think I, I, the scene was great. I, I, I laughed. It was fun. They've got great, great chemistry. It's nice to, you know, have the Hulk show up. But, you know, it's I, I miss that aspect of going, oh, now I have something to look forward to, which is what the whole point of these. They want you to see the next one. They want you to yeah. see. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, there's there. But they the, want you to see Thor too. You know, but there is a precedent with you know Avengers with the shawarma thing. I mean, that's not a no. But Avengers had two post-credit sequences. They had shawarma and they had Thanos. They had Thanos points you forward, and then they just added. Oh the yeah, you're right. Game. Yeah. Shawarma was Shawarma was filmed after the release because it was just a, it was a joke. Like that's why the reason uh, Chris Evans has his hand over his face the entire time is because he'd grown a beard for right, the movie yeah, he was doing next. Movie, so. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I that just I missed that element of it. I missed the 
you know, leaving the theater going, oh, I can't wait to see uh, whatever, you know, Thor, whatever they're pointing to, you know, whatever they're pointing to. But I understand. I mean, I understand. There's lots of things to consider. And I just told you not to worry about it. Now here I am worrying <laughs> about it, which, yeah. which is, you know, how, how it works. But so anyway, those are my two. Complex my, man, Connor. Uh, or very just exhausted. I saw, you know, I'm not so young anymore. I got out of the theater after midnight. I, I also, I think it's, I think it's extremely telling that we haven't mentioned Rebecca Hall at all because yeah, that was, character was very boring. Um, she was. I just, I, I, I just found that stuff. And then like, in addition to the guy Pierce, I feel like I'm, I, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking Rebecca Hall. I, 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 I didn't I'm really enjoy hung her up on her, on her character. I, it's just, it's, I, it just feels like dead weight on the movie. Like it's just anytime we go back to extremists, it's just. Well, I think it's part of the extremists not being fleshed out properly, but also it's just, you know, she's, she's, she represents his failure more than anything. It's just not really that much, that important otherwise, you know? Yeah. And then her, he blew, I mean, he blew her off and this is what happens. And her death. I mean, is it's another, you know, that's, that's also systematic of how she figures into the story. It's like, she's just, an afterthought or she's just a means to an end which um, i think is the point right she's, she's yeah both. that's yeah that's true it's just um i don't know she you know tony uses her for sex and and uh guy's name i can't ever remember uses her for her technology gillian gillian and uh you know she was a non-factor yeah and i just i wish she felt more tragic than non-factor you know mm-hmm. what i mean like I, I wish i cared more about that fact i wish that i was more um, up in arms in the fact that she was used that way, but I don't, I don't care. I mean, and like her sort of heel turn was also kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But I did, I did really enjoy. It. I had a lot of fun. I thought Shane Black brought a lot of good humor and, and irreverence to the to the. It, not that it super needed it because Downey's great, but I thought his tone was good. Man, him um, and the kid had some great. Him and the kid were wonderful to the point where you're almost like, wow, Tony's being really mean, but this kid is totally firing right back. Yeah. yeah, no, they had a great. I think Tony saw he could be mean to the kid. The kid would take it and, and give it back to him. That was great. Are you like, I like, like my dad. Yes, like I, like I said in the review, like if that kid was like the <laughs> was like great. a different actor and it was just played wrong, like because that kid is like he's the, he's cute when he needs to be, but then he's also like he rolls with the punches. Yeah, it's just like I'm like that kid yeah. could be totally obnoxious, played the wrong way, and this was yeah. just pitch perfect. And so that was our thoughts on Iron Man 3. You can go to iFanboy.com and read Paul's full review on it. You can also go to iFanboy.com and discuss the film in a variety of places. Tell us what you thought about it, what, you know, what your pluses and minuses were, whether you enjoyed it. Lots of people are already talking about how much they hated the Mandarin reveal. We loved it. <laughs> go talk. Tell us what you thought. And uh, we'll be back for Star Trek in a few weeks and then uh, heading towards the big, uh, big release that we're all looking forward to, uh, Superman Man of Steel. We'll also be talking about Thor later on in the year. That's the next Marvel Studios film. They're gonna, they're looking to do two a year. We're gonna we're gonna have more stuff before Thor. I mean, we're gonna like Lone Ranger. I think we're gonna talk about Lone Ranger. I think Paul and I definitely. There's yeah. lots of this is a big movie for for uh, fun stuff at the theater. So we're gonna do a lot of these special edition podcasts because they're they're fun to talk about. Yeah. And uh, so we'll be back in a few weeks with Star Trek Into Darkness. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. And uh, I have no. Sometimes you say the wrong cranberry. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great one.